Okay, bumper music. Welcome to the Sales Acceleration Show, where we talk about the science of selling across the areas of demand generation, sales, and sales operation. This show is about doing. We focus on real problems, real solutions with real people, all dedicated to accelerating sales. I'm Gabe Larson. And I'm Steve Error. Let's dive in. Gabe Larson, how's it going? Ready to ready to do our thing at the Let's sales acceleration show. Let's dive in. So, <laughs> everybody, we're excited to uh, have another session, another day, another dollar. Um, we got my friend and colleague Steve Ayer, and we've got a special guest today, um, Ross Rich. Ross, how you doing? I am well, Gabe. How are you? Fantastic. Um, now. This is going to be uh, a, a. It is different because we've not hit this topic. You know what, the, Steve? The thing I feel like we've talked a lot about actually is coaching. For whatever reason, I was looking through you know our last fifty episodes and I was like, why, why does everyone want to talk about coaching? <laughs> Don't you kind of feel like that? Well, I, I feel like it's one of the um, one of those things. It's like, yeah, you've got to hit these metrics. You got to make sure that we do all this stuff with our reps. Oh yeah, and coach. Yeah, I think it's one of the under like we we everybody every manager every director every leader has to do it, but it's not taught well. Yeah, so maybe we I, either way. I feel like we've been talking a lot about coaching, so we wanted to mix that up. Um, we wanted to talk about hiring um, because hiring, you know, hiring, recruiting, uh, selection, that type of stuff. Hiring's a little bit broken, um, a little bit. <laughs> and Ross Ross can add to this in just a minute, but um, you know. I had this interesting experience, Steve, and and our guest Ross um, have an interesting connection. You know, I spent four years at a company called Gallup. Uh, most of that time was overseas, but I was really introduced to the concept of data-driven hiring at Gallup. I mean, before Gallup, I just got in a room like everybody else and said, "Do I basically like this guy's handshake? Do I uh, like this, you know, woman's?" Um, did she look me in the eye? Um, did I like the way they dressed? Did I, you know, I was subjective as everybody else, and I didn't think too much of it. And I go to Gallup, and Gallup introduces this concept of data-driven hiring, or the idea of using science to see if you can't predict. Predict is a strong word, but use science to be able to help you and, and aid you in your hiring process. So, uh, interestingly enough, Ross, um, we have a common friend. They heard the episode when we talked about Moneyball hiring and, and the idea that, you know, the Oakland A's were able to use data to see if they couldn't select a baseball player. Why can't we use that? Such in a good story. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Such a good yeah. movie. Now, the Chicago Cubs, I think we actually were going to get Theo Epstein from the Chicago Cubs to come speak at our conference. He was busy. Um, doing spring training, but I think that's the new money ball, but love the story. Talked about it on our podcast, a mutual friend, um, a gentleman by the name of Bob introduced us to, to Ross here. Ross is going to tell us a little bit about his background, but I'm excited to dive into a different topic. And that is going to be hiring how data and science can help take you way further than you are. So with that, and that was a long intro, Steve, but I was like, we, we, we've got it. It's just nice to talk about something different. I am passionate about this topic. So with that, Ross, maybe you can just take a minute um, and introduce yourself and kind of what you've been doing for the last little while. 
Yeah. Uh, well, thanks. And uh, and actually, I'll I'll tie it into what you and I were talking about before this call started and our connection around things like SRI and psychometrics and things like that. So I spent uh, the early part of my adult life actually as a uh, commissioned officer in the Army. And when I resigned my commission and came out, started looking for civilian jobs there, I was sort of uh, inclined to pursue sales positions, wanted things that were more pay for performance and that kind of opportunity. Uh, but I got introduced to a software company that was based out of Atlanta uh, that basically would have sold what is today considered ERP, but it was mm -hmm. in the days before that uh, that term uh, applied. And they didn't hire you into a sales role if you didn't have pre prior sales experience, but the entire recruiting staff um, was actually made up of guys like myself who all also aspired to go into sales. So I actually sort of cut my teeth in the software business doing recruiting and then eventually did go into sales uh, for, uh, for several years while I was there. But while I was in recruiting, we were also trying to do exactly what you were talking about, which is how do we increase the odds that we're hiring the kinds of salespeople that are going to come in here and perform, you know, the, the proverbial A player? So we actually had engaged SRI, uh, which was the precursor to Gallup or Gallup acquired SRI, mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Clifton and, and a lot of the things that he developed as far as the traits. And it gave us a framework, um, you know, for hiring. We used some of their testing. And then we also experimented with some other uh, similar tools and actually a company based in Chicago uh, that I was introduced to. And when I left the software company, I actually went there for a couple of years and got a little bit more steeped in the whole methodology and learning about behavioral traits and how to measure them. Uh, but really wanted to start my own search firm, which I did. And we do primarily retained and, and outsource work for clients. Um, and by outsourced, I mean, we work with some clients over an extended period of time. So our, our mutual friend, Bob Moore, who had sales, uh, global field ops and sales for a company called Reltio, I directly support him in uh, managing the recruiting process and really have helped uh, in building out the sales team there. But trying to also apply this framework of, you know, trying to have a methodology and an approach to hiring. So. And some of it's anecdotal. So this whole idea after reading Moneyball and getting into sabermetrics was realizing that, hey, maybe there's ways that you can sort of blend the art and the science because there is an art to hiring. But a lot of people, like you were saying, rely on gut. You know, they rely on a, a good image or an articulate presenter, but they may not be drilling down to look for the attributes that might really tell you if this person is going to be successful, how competitively driven they are, their need for achievement, or how persuasive or discerning or assertive they might be. So it was really trying to come up with a framework that gave us, you know, better focus, and now trying to see if we can collect data that might validate some of those kinds of things. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, which is, and, and we want to get into it. And again, I appreciate the shout out to Bob Moore. If you don't know Relteo, you need to check out those guys. They do some cool stuff. So, um, uh, before we dive deeper in, because I'm anxious to ask you some questions here, um, we always like to have guests, you know, embarrass themselves. <laughs> we told them it wasn't about embarrassing him, right, Stephen? Now we're telling him it is about embarrassing. Bait and switch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I've been and I've been sitting here ever since Steve told me that I had to come up with something <laughs> unique, and and I'm and I'm sweating over trying to figure out what I can tell the audience. So yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah. yeah so uh, we, we always like to have guests tell, you know, something just a little more personal. So yeah, are you married? You have kids? You, um, you, you went on a cool trip? You, I don't know if being married is that unique, actually, Steve. That probably no. is a good example. No, I am married. No. I am married for 27 years, but but I don't know that that's particularly unique. But uh, no, I was going to actually the thing that came to mind is is you were talking about embarrassing things. So the guy when I when I transitioned from recruiting into sales in the software company that I worked for, the the sales manager I worked for, who is still I consider a bit of a mentor and a friend. Um, I, 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 I eventually graduated from West Point, which is how I got into the army, but it took me multiple, there you go. it took me multiple <laughs> times to get there actually three attempts. So I had three freshman years basically. And, and my, my sales manager used to introduce me to people and say the toughest three years of Ross's life was freshman in college. So there you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you it's know, at three least you made it through, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Made it through. Uh, I don't think I think he's our first West Point grad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, podcast. So. Well, congrats though. That I mean, that is that's a great uh, from everything you hear. You know, West Point, uh, it's the real deal. So congratulations in all seriousness. Um, yeah. So thank you, thank you. By the way, yeah, yeah. So now that we've gotten that milestone out of the way, uh, <laughs> uh, let's now move to the the rubbermaids road now. Uh, Ross, maybe you could just real quick, because a lot of people, I do think this is a little new for for people out there. Can you just kind of, if you had to kind of explain uh, data-driven or psychometric assessments um, in a you know thirty seconds, how would you kind of explain that process, just so they understand what we're even going to kind of be diving into when we talk about a data-driven hiring process? Yeah, I think it's um, you know sort of putting together a framework and having specific traits or attributes that you're trying to measure. So. You know, in our case, we've identified about 16 traits that we look at that break down to motivation and sales ability and self-management skills. And then we break it down even further, but it's sort of gives you a roadmap for knowing what to look for, what, you know, what's evidence when you're interviewing or looking at somebody's track record of the fact that they're competitively driven or that they're persuasive or they're good prospectors. And we've tried, obviously, to build those attributes to be very specific around selling in the sales profile um, so that, you know, we've got a clear direction on what we're looking for. And then the other thing is sort of identifying what does it take to be successful in our environment? The context matters, you know, so what does it take to be successful at Reltio or other, you know, companies? And then using that again as sort of a roadmap and a framework for how you're going to go try to collect that data. Some of it's anecdotal, but I think what we're trying to do now is try to figure out can we use some of the tools like Salesforce and Insight Squared, some of those things to collect some data that might help validate what people are doing and point us towards, you know, the kinds of things. Go back to the Moneyball example. That's right. You know, everybody yep. wanted guys that were hitting home runs, but they said, well, wait a minute. What about the guys that know how to draw walks and get on base and put themselves in scoring position? So it's sort of trying to look for those kinds of things that might help us point to, you know, the kinds of people that can come in and do the job the way we need it done. And and, and I think that that is the element that I think people need to understand is that, again, going with the Moneyball theme, and we'll probably re revert back to that a couple times, but, you know, Moneyball had this fundamental concept of sabermetrics, and that was you know, these statistical concepts that were more predictive of outcomes that they wanted. So the question has been, and I posed it again in the podcast the other day, was what is the sabermetrics of, of, of hiring? And I think to, you know, to your point, Ross, call it what you will, 
talent, you know, behavioral characteristics, there is an element that if we can discover it, and, and again, it, I don't think it's the end all be all, but it adds a percentage point or two to the, the, the process. If you can figure out what that element is and then find the patterns of those successful people that have that, all of a sudden you're aligning what the innate abilities are with the role and you've got a better formula for success. So with that out, out of the way, I wanted to ask, when, when you do your models, are you guys doing more, um, um, again, the word psychometric comes up, but are you doing more in-person interviews um, or do you actually go through more of like a web assessment or a formal kind of survey? Yeah, we're actually doing more in-person interviews. I will. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and do you find those to be more effective than than the web? Because I know a lot of sales leaders have heard about some of these kind of, they're cheaper, you know, web assessments, you know, whether it's your, uh, I mean, Gallup Finder is not really meant for that, but, you know, you've got some of these kind of free personality test type of assessments that claim to be this. How would you coach people to think about that that decision. And again, I don't mean to get too far off track, but yeah. I know that is a question that's often asked. I, I think you can I think you can easily blend them and I think it's useful to do that. So if you have some tools that you think are reliable, particularly from a sales perspective that are really focused on sales behaviors and you know not personality inventories, but things that are really looking at at sales behavior uh, I think those can be useful, but really as a supplement, I wouldn't rely on one exclusively and think of it like a litmus test. You know, if it turns blue, let's hire the person. It, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like, um, you can just go out and get a generic assessment I and mean, you mentioned kind of blending the concept of some of the factors that you found, you mentioned 16 kind of behavioral characteristics or dispositions versus the context of the role. How do those two need to blend together in order to get a successful hire? Well, I think you have to understand what's going to work in your environment. And, and that may take a little bit of history as well. You know, what, what, what is going to constitute success in, in your organization, because you, you may not have a situation, you, you know, Somebody is an A player or has a great track record in one environment doesn't necessarily mean that's going to translate and become, you know, the same level of performance in yours. So you really have to understand what's going to constitute success where you are and then focus in. So those 16 traits I mentioned, you know, might distill down to a handful that are really, really critical if it's a enterprise scale, role. complex sale, you know, there might be certain things that we're going to hone in on more so than if it's more of a commodity driven, high volume transactional kind of environment. So, um, yeah. Um, so as you think about roles, I remember at Gallup, you know, we had, um, we, we did jobs for a bunch of different people. Um, they actually, I think we, we did a, a recruitment and hiring job for a trucking company to hire truck drivers. Mm -hmm. um, and they were able to find some pretty interesting things of, of top performers and build kind of a uh, an assessment around it. But do you find, I mean, you've mostly been working in sales. Do you find that this is more effective in a sales world versus others? Because, you know, in sales, you've got more aggressive type of behavioral dispositions that maybe are easier to find and then therefore easier to align to a role and predict success? Or how would you talk about the different roles that potentially are out there? Well, I, I mean, we do, we do generally tend to work in sales and primarily, 
you know, software sales in startup environments. So I, I, I probably have a little bit of a narrower view of, you know, and, and we've geared our framework, uh, yeah, our, our framework and our approach towards sales. But I can certainly see the model working in, in other areas because, you know, maybe if you're in an account management role, say, versus more of a, you know, sort of net new hunter type of sales mm-hmm. role, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there are some traits around relationship development and empathy and other kinds of things that are going to be more characteristic of success in that role than they might be in, you know, in the other. Mm, interesting. And I'm sorry, Ross, I've got so many questions. I'm, I'm just going to keep firing here. We got a couple things I want to get to, but um, this is a personal passion of mine. So do you feel like one of the debates out there for this topic is you're putting people in a box? You know, I'd be interested to hear where you feel like this type of piece goes into a sales hiring process as we merge art and science. But before that, um, if I said to you, hey, you know, these assessments are putting people into a box. Look, people can change. You know, you're you're measuring these type of um, characteristics, but, you know, I, I can learn some of this stuff. I can learn to be more empathetic. I can learn to be more competitive. How do you view the concept of innate abilities or talent, and how does that fit in kind of the hiring process? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to say that I don't think people can change, but I think you also have to accept, and I think there's a fair amount of research out there that by the time you get to, you know, a certain age or a certain development, some behaviors and some characteristics are fairly well ingrained. So you might be able to, for example, let's take a salesperson who needs to be more assertive in, you know, how they control the sales process or in you know, bargaining for access or doing other things that they need to do to advance the sales process or close the deal. If I take somebody who is just generally not assertive, avoids confrontation, you know, can I make them more assertive? Yeah, there might be artificial ways that I can do it, but chances are over time, they'll just revert to whatever that normal, you know, that equilibrium, that normal behavior is. So, yeah, there is a certain element of you're putting people in a box, and there are some there are some behaviors or skills that are more easily developed than others. If I need somebody to be uh, really competitively focused and really focused on winning, I probably need to hire somebody that brings that innate uh, motivation with them, as opposed to trying to take somebody who isn't. And, you know, if for nothing else, it's the impracticality of it. Do I really have enough time as a sales manager and a coach right yeah to coach somebody into that behavior i may uh, not it just yeah. may be hey, Ross? yeah so so one one thing it seems like part of what we're looking at is a snapshot of where they are right now and we have a good idea that, that you know some of the things you're talking about their their tendency to be competitive etc uh are are, are going to maintain but that's not to say, you know, five years from now they come back, they look at it again, they could have changed some traits, they could have grown in certain areas. Well, but as a manager, you have to look at where they are right now, right? Well, well, yeah. but I mean, and, and I want to just jump in here because I'm, I'm, again, I'm Ross, I'm a little passionate, but one thing I'd say to that, Steve, is this is the fundamental crux of it, of, of I think this kind of data driven approach. If you don't buy into the concept, and there is, to Ross's point, a lot of research that there is traits, really, when the brain is forming, the synapses start to form freeways and pathways, and you become a certain type of person. And yes, you can change slightly, 
But to Ross's point, you basically are who you are. Now, I know there's been some research, fundamental traumatic events, death in the family, major right. car accident, right. can actually change some of those freeways. But it's pretty darn hard to change a freeway. And so if, if you have these freeways, the model of psychometric assessments work because we're discovering who people are. And hiring is about greatness. We're not looking for B players. To Ross's point, yeah, yes, I could hire someone who is slightly assertive and assume that they're going to become more assertive. But it's like, do we really want to be doing that? Why not look for innate talent and then add great skills on it to become a strength? And so I think, to Steve, your question is probably the fundamental. If you don't get this, if you don't believe in innate talent, I don't know if you can really, you know, do follow this practice. Am I right in that, Ross? I, yeah, I think generally so. I mean, uh, you know, again, I mean, you can develop skills or a certain thing. I can, I can help somebody who isn't terribly organized, maybe become better organized if they follow a methodology, you know, and, and are more, you know, managed to a process, you can probably overcome some of those things that they may not do, right. you know, naturally. Um, and some are going to be a little bit easier to develop. And I think to Steve's point, over time, as they mature as, you know, professionals and see more experience, you know, they might develop or they might figure out ways to compensate for lack of some things, right? So you have to account for stylistic differences in how people sell too. They can both be effective, but maybe they go about it in, you know, somewhat different ways. But again, I think when you pair it back to some of the real core elements of, you know, how are people motivated and, and sort of how are they are wired, yeah, you might be able to change them, but your job is to be a sales manager and drive revenue, not to be a clinical psychologist. So you have to, you know, you know, you have to sort of weigh it in the balance. And what do I, what's practical? What can I reasonably do in a reasonable amount of time? And if I, you know, if I need a hunter sales type profile, I probably ought to go out looking for that. Yeah, this is, I mean, I feel like it irks a lot of people. I mean, just some of these concepts, I mean, Steve, you know, you asked the question and you've done a lot of hiring, um, both here and in other places. Do you feel like that this con, I mean, that's a little bit offensive to some people to say people, people kind of are who they are a little bit. And we've got to start, we've got to start recognizing who people are and who people aren't and focus on their great points and rather than focusing on their weak points. I would say, I wouldn't say offensive. I think you've got to change how you look at things. Yeah. So, um, you know, does someone know Excel? And do they know Microsoft Office, right, is different than... Am I outgoing uh, or not outgoing or something, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think that there are skills like learning Salesforce or learning technology or, or learning uh, uh, skills uh, that, that can adjust and that can change. Certainly my skill set has changed uh, over the last you know five years. Right. Um, however, I'm still the same guy. I'm still just as outgoing as I was was before and I, and I had a, a a boss tell me one time that you know um, you know you got to make sure you find the seat on the bus that's right for you and sometimes you know the bus you want to get on is not the right bus for you and so it's go find the right spot for you find what you're good at find I think that's the beauty of you mentioned strengths finder that's right that's the beauty of strengths finder is is focus on what you're good at instead of focusing exactly, on what you're not. yeah exactly Gabe you're a communicator yeah hands down 
I mean, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, it's a strength and a weakness though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, and I think sales managers, you know, can uh, uh, attest to, you know, the, the pain for both people in a mismatch, right? You know, I mean, it's a, it it can be a very difficult and, and just unpleasant situation when somebody's in that role and they just don't, you know, have the ability unless you're sort of applying these external motivations or, you know, techniques in order to get them to behave in, in ways that might be very unnatural. Okay, good. So, so, and Ross, I know where we're going a little, probably a little over time, but this is the, this is the money ball episode. This is important. Um, so I hope you have just a little bit more time. So we've established yeah, kind of absolutely. some of the, the foundations of the, these concepts. I want to get into a little bit, you and I were going back and forth on email about now applying some of it. So let's start tactical, and then I want to get into how you blend art and science. But where does this concept fit into the hiring process? Real tactical. I mean, do I start with this? Do I wait until I've done my HR screen, my personal conversation, had them do some tests, and then at my very last interview, just before I'm going to decide, do I run them through something like this? Where does it fit in tactically in my hiring process? Well, I think it can I think it can fit in right from the beginning if if we've, you know, sort of narrowed down to knowing what some of the key attributes are that we're looking for, you know, we can start looking at those, you know, right away and some of them may be validated by some of the other things, you know, do we see the kind of say consistent overachievement in quota performance or you know those types of things is is an individual's average deal size substantially larger than the company average and why can we drill into that and understand why they seem to be able to you know get a higher dollar value for what they're selling and and you know begin to peel that back and understand that they're better at articulating value or focusing in on you know, what the customer's pain is and how to solve it and those kinds of things. And I think you can apply that, you know, throughout the entire process. And depending on who's involved, maybe they're taking different pieces. Uh, one of the interviews that that we like to go through is one that we refer to as, you know, it's just a whole series of questions we call the anatomy of the deal. And it's sort of starting from how did you find the opportunity and how did you work it, you know, step by step all the way through so we can begin to uncover how do they qualify and how did they move through the evaluation phase and how did they deal with different constituencies and stakeholders and things like that. So it's, I, I think you can apply it throughout. Interesting. So um, as you think about, because one of the things I've debated is, um, I mean, let's go, let, let's go out of sales for a minute. Let's go to, let's go to basketball, right? Um, Red Arbaugh, he's got a, a famous quote. I believe it's attributed to old Red. Um, you it can't, is now. You, you, <laughs> you, you, you can't teach height, right? Right. Um, so if I'm a general manager of an NBA basketball team, I need a center, um, you know, do I start looking for the the Muggsy boat that you know the five foot four guys, or do I go for I start with the seven footer, the thing you can't teach. Let's get let's get someone at least six nine and above. As a then then let's see how well they fit with our culture. Let's see their their dribbling yeah. skills, etc. So I've always wondered, Ross, if it's just better to say if you feel comfortable with the framework, why not start with something that's harder to teach, which we've kind of established is, is talent, is those innate abilities. Let's start with that. Let's not fall in love with the five foot four center. 
because I've seen that happen. But I love this guy so much. I mean, but he's five foot four. I know he gets yeah. along in our culture. So do you feel like there's a reason or a consideration to let's not talk to anybody who doesn't at least model the, the seven foot center or have the quote unquote right characteristics to be successful? Then let's see all the other things. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's a very valid way of doing it and certainly, you know, it helps you sort of manage the funnel of candidates and, you know, and focus in on the ones that you want, then want to spend, you know, more time with. At, at a high level, we try to look at three dimensions, abilities, chemistry and experience, and we're going to mm. set we're going to set bars in each of those dimensions for what we're looking for. But, you know, you want to be careful that you're not so focused on the chemistry dimension that, as you say, this is a guy that I'd love to have around. We get along, but I'm not spending enough time evaluating the abilities dimension to know, is he competitive enough? Does he have this drive for achievement? Is he proactive? You know, is he going to deliver the behaviors that are really going to be essential to success? So I, I think your point's well taken. Okay, so with that in mind, how do you blend the two together? I mean, you can't just rely on this type of instruments. I mean, we're not to a place in the world, or maybe maybe you'd argue we are. Um, how, how do you merge the art and the science together? Yeah. You go, is it 50-50, yeah. 70-30? How, how do you play that? Yeah, that's a good question. No, I don't think I don't think we're at a point, and you're probably not going to get some sales candidate that walks in with a with a you know a sheet that has all their statistics of all the, you know, here's here's how, you know here's my average cycle time and here's my average deal size and here's how quickly I move from phase to phase in the sales process. You know, nobody's keeping sales has been kind of laggards when it's come to, you know, keeping that kind of data. In fact, uh, right now in the engagement that we're on, you know, working with, with Relty on working with the sales ops director is trying to extract some of that data out of the tools and trying to capture the data, but capturing it is, you know, is a bit of a challenge. But but if we can get that and it points us in the direction of, hey, these are, you know, these are places in the, you know, the work that the salesperson does or points to behaviors or or skills that they need to have, then we can incorporate that into the interview process and go, you know, go dig for that kind of information. We'll spend time trying to figure out, you know, how does this person qualify opportunities or, you know, how discerning are they in terms of managing a complex sale? Do they have good situational awareness? Do they seem intuitive? You know, are they able to pick up on, you know, good uh, observation skills and, you know, the ability to parse that kind of data so that they're, you know, constantly, you know, evaluating the yeah. situation. So, you know, so it's, it's sort of taking, you know, some of those, you know, more mechanical parts of the sales yeah. process and trying to figure out where do our best people, you know, how, how do they do that? And then try to factor that back into how do we go look for that in, in candidates we want to hire. So how do, how do you then start to tie in, uh, how does performance fit into this whole model? If you, do you, do you, do you start by, you know, trying to capture you know the, the the key KPIs and 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 attribute that to 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 reps or where does the role of the numbers come in? Well, you have to. I mean, the the numbers certainly, and particularly, you know, say quota performance. If you're looking at candidates, you're you're looking for individuals where you know you're trying to validate how well they did. But again, I think you got to drill down past that because you can't you can't just accept the quota performance. 
at at face value because you you know you need to understand how they got to those numbers. I mean, it's not wouldn't come as a surprise to some people to say you hire somebody that you know posted some pretty impressive quota numbers, but found out that their sales manager really did all the hard work. You know, they got the credit, but but they didn't necessarily do the work as the individual to get to that number. So, you know, so you're 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 drilling down past that to really sort of validate or triangulate, however you want to describe it. You know, are the are the numbers that I'm seeing, you know, a a, a direct reflection? Is there a correlation with you know how that person behaves? So so you're mixing a little bit of the anecdotal with the empirical. You may start with. Okay, the empirical data is you've for the last five years you've overachieved. Now let's go back and start telling me about how you got there. And then, you know, somebody has to talk you through, you know, what they're doing on a day to day basis or, you know, how they go about doing their job. Interesting. So you've got you've got it obviously quite down to a science. So as we kind of look to wrap up here, if you're a if you're coaching a sales leader, which we have um, you, you know, many who li- listen with us on, on our show, um, may, maybe, maybe answer two questions if you can. One is, where do I start if I want to get more data driven around my hiring process? Um, and then number two, is, is there a takeaway or is there, if you found certain questions to be very effective or what's a takeaway that they could have to implement right now in their hiring process? To be a little bit more effective, a little bit more data driven. Yeah, well, I think you know, again, and and there's probably multiple sources, uh, you know, for this. You could go to Gallup, you could go to other places, um, you know, where you you're just assembling a framework of you know what are the the attributes or the characteristics that I'm looking for, and and begin to build that model, and and you know, in in observing you know either the people that have worked for you in the past or currently, as far as what are my successful people doing, and you know, and 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 can I attach a label to that so we have a terminology, a definition, and we know what to go look for when we're we're interviewing because I think that's where interviewing goes awry a little bit is, you know, if you, you don't if you have don't, a model. Yeah. Yeah. If I don't have the model or if I don't know the answer that I'm looking for, <laughs> I can ask you any question in the world, but I won't know whether or not I'm getting. <laughs> I love you know, it. So, you know, so like a good lawyer says, don't ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. So, you know, if I'm looking, <laughs> If I'm looking for assertiveness, I know what the examples are of that, and and that's what I'm looking for in the interview process. So you got to build that framework. You got to understand what you know success is going to look like, and then you can you know you can interview to that. Love- and 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 again to the point about you know you, the tip. Again, I don't know that there are magic questions. I think good interviewing is knowing more what the good answers are than knowing what the good questions are. You need to know what you're looking for. Yeah, I love it. Okay, well, uh, man, Ross, I could go, and as you could tell, I, uh, I, I could go for a while. I think it's super interesting. I think it's still cutting edge. I, I mean, it's kind of been around for a while, but I still feel like it's it's still cutting edge. It hasn't been widely adopted. I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you feel like it's widely adopted, or do you feel like it's still kind of? I think um, it goes. I think it goes in phases. I, there, there are periods of time where I seem to be really goes, focused on yeah. it. If you remember, you know, if you remember the period where top grading and some of those were really in vogue, and that's a mm-hmm. very thorough, very comprehensive mm-hmm. process. And there was a period of time where everybody really glommed onto that and did it for a while, and then it sort of faded. So I'm, I'm not sure if it's, you know, as 
different people are cycling through their careers in management or things like that or the emphasis that they place on it. But, you know, uh, so, I, you know, it I've seen seems it. to ebb and flow. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it does because yeah. um, I'm, I'm like, sometimes I feel like it's on, sometimes I feel like it's off. But either way, I feel like it's a super important topic. Ross, really appreciate you, you being on the show, sharing some of your insights. Um, Steve, over to you. Yeah, well, I, I really appreciate it. Hiring certainly has come a long way from the days of spreading resumes out all over the floor and, and trying to sort through uh, with that as your only indicator. So I appreciate it, Ross. Uh, please uh, go ahead and subscribe to us. Uh, leave comments and reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, that helps uh, other people find us. Uh, you can also email us any questions, thoughts, uh, rejection letters that you want to send to Gabe. Uh, you send them to podcast at insidesales.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. Uh, Gabe's found at Gabe Larson. I'm found at Steve Error. And you can also uh, reach out to us on LinkedIn. Uh, Gabe has lots of great content that he's put out there uh, that that uh, you're, you're free to peruse, read, and use. So I uh, appreciate it again. Thanks, Ross, uh, for, for joining us. And with that, let's get at it. 